Hello and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Before we get to the show, let's get the pleasantries out of the way. First of all, our website. If you want more information about our little podcast, go to wearethecontrarians.com. That's where you'll find links to our old episodes, to our Patreon channel, and to our awesome Contrarians merch. You can show your support by buying a Contrarians mug or a pillow. I like the laptop bags myself. Second of all, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Or even go a step further and leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. Finally, if you want to reach out directly to us, that's what social media is for. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Contrarian Prime, or check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. Julio runs our official Twitter account at Contrarian Prime, but if you want to give me a piece of your mind or just want to banter about pro wrestling, you can follow me at Contrarian Alex. That's it. That's our intro. Now, time for the show. And we are recording for Contrarian's Corner for Jurassic World Dominion. I feel like we need like a, a sound drop or something here, like a dinosaur roaring. <laughs> yes. Or that the beginning of the Genesis game where the T-Rex goes, Sega. We need something like that. But <laughs> That's not from the movie. No, it's from the franchise, which at this point, it's still difficult for me to except that Jurassic Park is a franchise. Like, I don't think about it the way I do, like, Star Wars or some of these superhero movies, but goddamn, it's definitely etched its place in history with how much money it's brought in. I was saying, in the movies, the T-Rex is not the one that talks. It's the raptors. Yeah. I think it's the, the third movie. It, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. But, uh, when, the, yeah. when the next billion is made, they'll... <laughs> they'll just... Uh, they'll put that implant that they put on... Uh, Alexander Skarsgård at the end of Mute so that he can communicate. Yes. This, this means nothing to you because you, you've forgotten Mute. You've lost I, it I'm, from your memory. <laughs> I'm just nodding along like, uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, th- that'll be how they get people back in to make another million. And this one, the T-Rex talks. Who's the voice uh, of the T-Rex? I don't know. Danny McBride or some shit. <laughs> uh, I mean, what would... A t- Ron Perlman. Like, you need, like, a big gravelly voice for a T-Rex. But anyway, before we fantasy book the next entry in the Jurassic Park slash world franchise, yes, hello and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. My name is Alex, joined as always by the Sam Neill to my Laura Dern. <laughs> the will they one day we didn't even know existed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I guess, yeah, for the sake of it, neither of us are as talented as Laura Dern. Not to say we're as talented as Sam Neill or Jeff Goldblum, but I'll just say the Goldblum to my Neil, Julio, <laughs> the patron takeover rages on, and we're here to talk about a very, very recent entry in the medium of film. Uh, uh, dare I say it, malicious pick from patron <laughs> Chaz Fisher, who knew exactly what he was doing when he... Uh, when he threw this our way, and then he kind of like raised his hands and backed away, and he was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I, I just said, watch this one. I didn't say, Alex, you need to watch two other Jurassic World movies. Which I didn't, to be fair, but uh, we'll get to that in just a second. So, yeah, I guess that's the point. Start this off by thanking Chaz. Even, you know, we'll, our feelings on the movie will become evident as this episode goes on. But regardless, thank you for being a patron and thank you for all of our patrons that have uh, continued to make this patron takeover um, 
very inconsistent in tone and memorable. <laughs> From Elliot Gould to Chris Pratt, just one flick of the wrist. The natural progression. Well, I mean, you know, we've we've talked about Jurassic Park slash world here on the show time and again, but we've never really delved into the Jurassic mythology. In a way, it was it was time. It's just that it's kind of weird when, I don't know, two, three episodes ago, we were talking about Jim Carrey playing a policeman in Poland. We were talking about watching Jim Carrey come, and now <laughs> dinosaurs are on the screen. I mean, there's there's always connections here and there. Chaz has been with us before. He he was actually on the show for uh, American Hustle. He was here for the the massive Terminator extravaganza. Like I said, he knows what he's doing. He he knows what he expects us to do with this two and a half hour long dino extravaganza. And there is also the two forty five like extended cut for some Did reason. You, is that what the one you watched? Fuck no. Oh. <laughs> uh, sorry. No. I respectfully uh, on Amazon Prime the theatrical version was available with the subscription, but you had to pay extra for the extended version. So I politely declined and chose to go with the theatrical cut. It's only fair since I'm sure most of our listeners saw it in theaters. So we're not going to confuse them by adding, I don't know, 50 minutes worth of backstory to Omar Sy, maybe. <laughs> what what was missing from this movie? I guess we'll discuss that. Omar Sy. <laughs> I, yeah, it's in my notes. I got all excited when he showed up. Then I was like, oh. All right, well, let's get into it. For, well, let's go ahead and get all of the pleasantries out of the way. Again, I'm Alex. He's Julio. We are the Contrarians. What we do here on our little show is we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. That is our battle cry when we unsheath our sword, not unlike Matthew Broderick at the end of Glory. We charge up the hill and fight the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Uh, we find a movie on Rotten Tomatoes that is high. It's a sword or a bayonet. I can't remember what he does at the end of that movie. It's heroic as fuck, whatever he does. That's all I know. <laughs> Find a movie on Rotten Tomatoes that is highly rated in many circles and in the realms of trademarked uh, iconography known as Certified Fresh and bring that movie down to size. Talk about maybe some of the things in it that aren't so great, uh, overrated aspects of it or things that people just over-celebrated for whatever reasons they concocted in their mind. Uh, conversely, find a movie on Rotten Tomatoes that is lowly rated, one of those nasty green splotches known as Rotten, being that... Jurassic Park. I, sorry, I have such a hard time with the world part. <laughs> Jurassic World Dominion is at 29%. It falls into that rotten category. We usually shoot for about 30% and below. And as you could guess, make a case for that film's positive merit, some of the under-celebrated parts of it, the parts that those tomato meter critics at large just didn't really understand. Do this for two reasons. Mainly two reasons. One, Shit is subjective. You can be as over the moon about something as you want to be or as cynical about something as you want to be if you set your mind to it. And two, those Rotten Tomatoes scores, man, don't always tell the whole story, but people really seem to live and die by them. And we're here to tell you, eh, you might want to rethink that philosophy. But that all comprises the first part or half of the episodes that we do. Julio, if listeners want to know how we really feel about the movie du jour, the movie we're tackling and in this case, Jurassic World Dominion, they just have to stick around for the second half or part two of our episode. That is correct. Part two of every episode aptly titled Real Talk. That's where we tell you how we really feel. We forget about the gimmick of the tomato meter and we just tell you how we experience the movie uh, and whether we've experienced it before. Like I've mentioned already, 
Alex hadn't seen any of the Chris Pratt Jurassic Worlds, uh, I had. I watched the, the first one, the first Jurassic World, in theaters when it came out. And I watched the second one. What is the second one called? Uh, Lost Kingdom? Fallen Kingdom? Which one's the No Doubt album and which one is the <laughs> Jurassic World movie? <laughs> the seminal 90s album by No Doubt is Tragic Kingdom, and I can recite that album page and verse. <laughs> what I cannot recite page and verse, rather, is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Okay, well... <laughs> They're in the same universe, I'm sure. Whole, so, you watch your fucking tongue, man. <laughs> uh, so I watched that one. I didn't go to theaters. I watched it many, many uh, months after the fact on streaming. And then I kind of missed this one. Uh, Dominion, I just, it was out in theaters. And, and then before you knew it, it was, it, it feels like it was on Paramount Plus right away. Peacock. Was, well, now it's on Peacock, right? Or was it always in Peacock? I want to say it launched on Peacock because I remember, <laughs> as many of you know, that the WWE film library is on Peacock. And so that app is opened daily in this household. And I remember <laughs> that the splash and everything in the app was advertising uh, Jurassic Park, Jurassic World Dominion. Okay. Well, I, I defer to your Peacock knowledge. Uh, so if you want to know how I really feel, how Alex really feels, and maybe how Chaz really feels, uh, we're, we're still, it's up in the air whether he'll he'll send us a message with his thoughts or not, uh, at least for this recording. But all that stuff happens in real talk. But first, mm. this movie is 29% in the tomato meter. That means it's rotten. That means that we're going to say really nice things about it on Contreras Corner. And Alex, did you notice the, the disparity between the green splotch that the critics gave this movie and the and the golden buttery upright popcorn tub that the audience gave it i did not uh 77% audience score well <laughs> donald trump also won an election a few years ago so uh and not just any election for the president of the united states <laughs> so i you'll forgive me if i don't take the public opinion too seriously <laughs> Allie, you didn't come out all this way just to catch up now, did you? Before we go into, into Contrarian's Corner proper, recounting the plot and all the stuff, and oh, there will be some recounting, because Alex, I mean, I expect you to, to give me a brief recap of how it all started. You, you did watch the first Jurassic World, right? I did, yes. The one that you it. own. And then I can maybe tell you what I remember of the second one. Fair trade. Uh, but I have quotes, rotten quotes from the Rotten Tomatoes website. We're going to start with Dallas King. Is that a real name? <laughs> Dallas King from Flick Feast. That's what they called me in college. <laughs> uh, he says, Jurassic World Dominion is the worst thing to happen to the dinosaurs since that <laughs> meteor 65 million years ago. This is how a franchise dies, with raptorless applause. I mean, that's... Speaking for the dinosaurs like that is pretty ballsy, man. Yeah, this is how the world ends. This is how the world ends. Uh, next, Lisa Trifone from Third Coast Review says an overstuffed, overlong creature feature that strays so far from the wonder that first enchanted us that it's hard to see the connective tissue to its predecessor. Um, I think the connective tissue is right there <laughs> in the shape of uh, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum. You didn't have to strain your eyes. <laughs> No. Nope. Next, 
Sarah Mars from Laney Gossip says, Jurassic World Dominion is really like being at the biggest, best buffet on the planet and choosing to eat nothing but plain lettuce. I like the analogy, but what exactly, <laughs> what is the buffet in this, in this scenario? The, the Jurassic Park franchise? Dinosaurs? Yeah, I'm a bit confused about that. Uh, Paramount? <laughs> that parable there, that uh, <laughs> analogy. I, I I would say that original trio is anything but plain. I think Jeff Goldblum has just, I mean, Laura Dern, of course, I mean, she has an Oscar and, and, and Sam Neill is, you know, Sam Neill. But, but Jeff Goldblum in particular, I mean, he has this very specific type of star power. I, I can't imagine you would say anything with Jeff Goldblum in it is plain. Certainly not plain lettuce. It's like doubling down on the plainness. Uh, <laughs> And we're going to close with Dan Merle from Dan Merle Reviews, who says it's the equivalent of calling Trevor Rowe banging pots and pans for two and a half hours to keep you distracted from the fact that nothing you're seeing really means anything. Banging pots and pans for two and a half hours. That's why they gave Top Gun Maverick a Best Picture nomination this year. Was it also two and a half hours long? I think it was like 2.15. So Trevor like overdid it. He, he, he <laughs> topped Cruise by 15 minutes. That also had Jennifer Conley, though. Well, this has Bryce Dallas Howard, the original Gwen Stacy. <laughs> Ooh. Christian Bale's uh, wife in Terminator Salvation. Dude, I was about to say, a storied history does one Bryce Dallas Howard have with the contrarians. <laughs> if if this is your first episode for whatever reason, scroll back through the, uh, the catalog and find the movies with Bryce Dallas Howard, because views will differ <laughs> d- depending on film. Uh, her hair looked better in this than it did in Twilight, so <laughs> it's got that going for it. Well, uh, those are the quotes, Alex. So I guess as we ease into Contrarian's Corner, like I said, I, I would like to hear the, the Alex Mattis two-minute recap of Jurassic World. Like, what is this new, this brave new world that has Chris Pratt as its center? Yeah, so just to recap, a few years ago, I guess my dad found it in sometimes just get me like a, a bundle of movies and I guess it was in a discount bin or something and one of them was I think he gave me 12 monkeys and um, which is another one we're doing soon and uh, Jurassic World and something else on Blu-ray and just like yeah yeah movies for your collection and I was like why the fuck did you get me Jurassic World and so you know joking with him he's like you need a modern blockbuster in your collection <laughs> and, not wrong well so because of that, I just I never got around to it because I had just, you know, my mind kind of made up about it. And uh, in preparation for this, I took it off the shelf, took the shrink wrapping off of it and popped it in and watched it. And I actually you know, I enjoyed it um, too long. But, that, you know, I'm going to say that about almost anything these days. Uh, that movie made one point six billion dollars. <laughs> and so basically the idea of this is that dinosaurs are around man and our lead our hero what's his name owen chris mm-hmm. pratt is like he works with the raptors specifically and he knows these animals and he's you know kind of a gritty salt of the earth bacon and eggs kind of guy <laughs> and he works outside of the, it what Jurassic World is and it's like I said it's like fucking Disney World like there's rides and you you go to the exhibit where that big one is that's like amphibious and you know you watch it feed and 
get these orbs and go out and get to experience the different creatures and dinosaurs and all that. And like Bryce Dallas Howard runs the show there. And then so in Jurassic World, that goes wrong. The T-Rex or whatever gets out and starts creating chaos. So all these people are basically trapped in this amusement park while all these dinosaurs run amok. And Bryce Dallas Howard's nephews are there. And she learns throughout the course of it, you know, to kind of let your hair down and live life and, you know, <laughs> kind of take it moment by moment. And Chris Pratt help they team up to save the day. And then, you know, they become like an item by the end of the movie. And yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun enough. And then my understanding is they evacuate the island and the dinosaurs are just kind of there to live. And then from what I read in the plot synopsis of the second one, which I did not watch, uh, Fallen Kingdom, sounds like they, for whatever dumb reason, they go back to the island <laughs> because uh, a volcano is going to go off. So they go back to free these dinosaurs and in the process figure out that people there's like some company that's genetically engineering dinosaurs and creatures to be made and then somehow dinosaurs just get set loose on the world at the end of the movie and that's kind of where we pick up here i forgot to mention that vincent d'onofrio is the bad guy in uh, jurassic <laughs> world that's a very very big thing to call out yes uh i don't remember who the bad guy is in the second one and uh, i will tell you the biggest there are two big things that happen in the second movie three things the three things i remember one is that uh, you kind of undersold it, but I understand because you haven't seen the movie. But it is actually kind of heartbreaking to see that volcano go off and and basically all those dinosaurs die. <laughs> it's like a big sequence in the at the beginning of the movie where uh, you know because they're animals and they're they're just kind of uh, and this movie explores it even further. Dude, I it just. I hate that shit. I love, you know, I, I say this all the time. I'm not a vegan or anything. And yes, I understand that, you know, in a certain light that could be seen as hypocritical. But I love animals so fucking much. Like, at the end of this movie, I was like, God damn it. Like, when the little one was reunited with its mom. And I was just like, fuck, man. <laughs> like, this is emotional. And yeah, it's just what you're saying. I haven't seen it, but I can imagine. <laughs> I have not. I will never see a dinosaur in my life. I will never, <laughs> I will never establish an emotional attachment to or relationship with a dinosaur. But I fucking love my dog more than anything in the world. And like, they have the mannerisms of these dinosaurs, similar to any other animal. That when they're hurt, I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> kill who did that to you. Yep. <laughs> and you add to it that that basically, if I remember correctly, that the movie has that question of like, well, we created them. And then we just like plop them in an island where they're going to die because the you know this this natural disaster is happening. And so there's a lot going on about rescuing the dinosaurs or you know whatever it happens. Most of the movie has to do with the 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 surviving dinosaurs or dinosaurs that are being genetically re-engineered or whatever are in this mansion. And Chris Pratt and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard break into that mansion. And they find the clone girl <laughs> that becomes their daughter in this movie. And uh, okay, that that was going to be one of my questions. If that very extremely necessary character came up in the second one, <laughs> yes, it, it, that is the other big thing. It's like the big reveal that she is she's not 
uh, your standard human. She's she's a clone, and so because using the technology they used to clone the dinosaurs, and now they're cloning people, and uh, so that was the other big thing. And then the third big thing is that Bryce Dallas Howard is responsible. She makes the decision to let the dinosaurs out into the world. So they're in this compound. And at the end of the movie, like the big climax is that she has to choose whether to, you know, there's a button or there's two buttons. One button kills them, you know, like with gas and they're all going to die because they're contained. <laughs> and the other button opens the door <laughs> and they run out into the world. And so she, uh, it's she the opens fucking, the door. It's the opening scene where uh, Juliette Binoche dies in Godzilla pretty much. <laughs> Yes, except that uh, Brian Cranston is not there to cry. Instead, it's Chris Pratt just kind of like holding <laughs> his his hand to his mouth and just going like, "Oh my God, you did it!" The Chris next Pratt. movie is going to be about dinosaurs in the city, which it kind of is. <laughs> and I guess okay. a, a, a final thing is that <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, who had been widely promoted as being part of that movie, you know, he shows up for two minutes at the end to give a speech about how like we're all heading towards the apocalypse or something. Unforeseen consequences occur. And every time, every single time, we all act surprised. Well, we set the table, so forgive us if we kind of spark through some of this, uh, the early happenings here of Dominion. The movie begins with the dinosaurs are among us now, so we have to learn to live together. You see, like, a shrimping boat or something. It looks like it's out deep in the ocean to retrieve fish of some sort and the big amphibious dinosaur comes up and eats it uh like the ship and knocks it over knocks the camera off the ship and i was immediately like why is there a film camera on this ship um (laughs) well i think that if you live in a world where dinosaurs are all around you want to document that (laughs) you you want everything on instagram more so than you do right now (laughs) yes bryce dallas howard's like a freedom fighter of some sort she fights her way into this not observatory. What's the word I'm looking for here? It's like a compound where they genetically engineer dinosaurs. It's a dino farm. Yeah. It's, you know, not unlike some of those documentaries about, you know, cows that are milked and shit like that. They, they take one that's dying and, you know, bring it back to life. It's very cute. I'm sure they sold lots of toys off of it. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, uh, you probably, you watched Jurassic world. The first one so removed from, Everything surrounded it at the time that you probably are not aware of this, but the big controversy when Jurassic World came out was mm-hmm. that Bryce Dallas Howard, there's at least one scene where she she's running away with Chris Pratt, they're running away from a dinosaur or something, and she's running in heels, and people just really <laughs> fixated on that. Like, why? that's so stupid. Why Why is she running in heels and whatever? And <laughs> Trust uh, me, if there's something you want to call out in that movie for being stupid, that's the last <laughs> of it. That that was kind of my reaction, and but still, uh, I, I guess I was pointing that out. I was bringing that up because uh, she's come a long way, like her character, right? <laughs> we see her now, and she's definitely not on. The, she's not wearing heels. She's uh, she's not uh, wearing the, you know the power suit or whatever she was wearing back in 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 the first iteration oh, yeah. of this. Oh yeah, world. no, she she's learned to let her. You know, she wears a flannel, and she probably listens to fucking you know the Alice in Chains Unplugged album. I'm not joking. That's like one of the best albums of all time. But, you know, she definitely has adapted more and she, you know, she doesn't have to wear a dress. Uh, We see Owen, Chris Pratt in this, and he's fucking wrangling dinosaurs while riding a horseback. 
My note just says, what the absolute fuck? Because this is a long ways away from where I left off at the end of Jurassic World. <laughs> but I, not quite. I mean, yes, but but it makes sense, right? It's uh, It's like the natural evolution of his character. He used to wrangle raptors, and now he's just expanded his abilities to all other sort of wild dinosaurs running out there. Yeah, he does a good job. He has his, um, uh, his power move, right? Where he lifts his hand. Like, oh, yeah. to the hands. <laughs> we learn about the child that we already talked about, the clone that is a very, you know, it's a precious hot commodity. It's, um, did you get Looper vibes here? I was like, is this kid the fucking Rainmaker? <laughs> like, what, what are we protecting this kid so much for? I just, What's the kid's name? Uh, oh, fuck. Macy? Lucy? Macy? Heather? <laughs> Who's Lucy? <laughs> uh, Mice, M A I S I E. I she's the clone. <laughs> she's British. They they cloned her with a British accent. I said I always assumed that clones automatically came out American. You know, if they, <laughs> you come out with the accent of like the the country that cloned you. Yeah, I don't want to get into this, but you know, you would talk how you talked to. So I guess. No, no, no. We learned in this that she was raised around a British accent, so all good. Checks out there. <laughs> Nurture versus nature. <laughs> so we got the kid. She's living with Owen and Claire. Uh, she also wears a flannel, and you know, there's little dinosaurs running around there. There's the blue, which is a character that held on from the first one. One of the raptors that Owen has a relationship with has. Um, Could you point at this a little raptor like, like Leo? Like, hey, I know that dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, point at the screen. Has a baby of their own. Beta, as we learn, that uh, Micey has named it. Macy, whatever. And yeah, it's just at this point, you know, we're getting to know everybody again. Oscar winner Laura Dern shows up. She visits Sam Neill, Dr. Alan Grant. We see that he is not moved on, you know. <laughs> From anything. <laughs> Like all of us, there's the girl from college or, you know, your early 20s that the one that got away and you every once in a while you check on her Instagram page and <laughs> you see like a post there and there. <laughs> uh, but, but, but you, you do know, not uh, slide into her DMs because you're a gentleman. Well, that and also he has a picture of them together from 1993 <laughs> in his office that he like forgot that he has hanging up. It's creepy behavior. And then we get the, you know, the explanation of where your kids. Oh, they're both in college now, which man. Okay. So that first one was 1993. This is 20 years later. No, it must be like 30. Okay. Right. That. Yes. That's even worse. <laughs> What's worse? I, I think that all three of them have aged gracefully <laughs> and beautifully. I, I no, I just mean like are her kids like twenty seven year old seniors in college? <laughs> uh, but they're back together and they've been summoned, or not they, but Laura Dern Ellie has been summoned by Jeff Goldblum, Doctor Ian Malcolm, to come out to like this remote island, Biosyn where he's working and it's kind of a piece of the puzzle going on because the big thing we see is like these giant mutant like i thought it was like an overgrown grasshopper at first but it's these locusts that are pillaging just destroying crops that aren't planted or seeds of biosyn 
and the thought is this is going to lead to like an absolute global famine and um, not unlike AI coming into the scene now and it's going to take <laughs> several hundred million jobs from people. Yeah, the farmers are uh, considering uh, going on strike. The, the timetable is too is too quick. They, they we only have two and a half hours here. Um, so Alex, this is just just level with me. How hard did the nostalgia hit you when you know you just spent a whole movie and at least two decades removed from uh, the original crew of Jurassic Park? And you know now you you go into this movie thinking it's Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, and then now you're you see this these familiar sights. You see Alan Grant with his with his daddy beard now, and uh, but he still has the hat, and he has the, the chemistry with Lord Dern. Just level me, because I will level with you. This this is where the movie hooked me. It was like a warm embrace, <laughs> all the way from the nineties. I I'm not a big fan of uh, the Lost World, not a big fan of Jurassic Park three, but that first Jurassic Park movie. I mean, you know, I watched it several times when I was much younger, oh, yeah. and so to see these characters. All these years later, and it turns out that they're okay. They're still respected professionals in their field, and they're still, you know, even the way later when we see Jeff Goldblum, like he's he still has his soul, <laughs> even though he's kind of like sold out. So I don't know. I, I think that that's this is where the movie really becomes something special. Before that, it's just like oh, it's just fun. It's another uh, dinosaur movie with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. But then when you see these older characters come in and and just have uh, start interacting in a world that's at least 20 years removed from the last time we saw them. Like, that's that's really cool. What about splicing DNA? You know, creating new species? Uh, no, Dr. Sattler, we don't do that here. We like to think we're more evolved. I, I think that sometimes nostalgia feels like a cheap ploy to get audiences invested. And sometimes nostalgia is worth it. You know, it's like, if you're going to bring back uh, uh, these characters, uh, make me feel for them, you know? And I, 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 I was interested in seeing where they were in their lives right now just the idea that their minds were blown when they went to jurassic park back in 1993 and it was just this a handful of dinosaurs in a contained space and they almost died like alan grant and and ellie sadler and neil malcolm you know they almost died and uh, and now decades later <laughs> they're living in a world where dinosaurs are everywhere around the corner you're taking an uber and there's like a brontosaurus across the street so i i just liked that we got to see this new world through the eyes of characters that we hadn't seen in a long time. Did you have a similar experience or were you more interested in the the hip new characters like the Chris Pratt and the Bryce Dallas Howard and the this Justice Smith, I think the the kid that has the the contact with the CIA or the FBI or whatever they have. Uh somewhere between like my reactions to Force Awakens and um the 2018 Halloween when like Laurie and Michael were on screen together again. Uh, yeah, like, where's so, Loomis? Yeah, exactly. I was kind of just looking forward to Jeff Goldblum showing back up. And, you know, he doesn't have too much in this. They definitely use him as like a uh, appreciate what you have now because you're not going to have it for long type thing. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> in the in the confines of the movie because he shows up and makes his speech and then like he's gone before you know it, you know? I thought you knew something about Jeff Goldblum that I didn't know. Like, is he retiring? Oh, is no, 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 no. I was just, I meant in the sense of like, he shows up, and you're like, hell yeah, it's Jeff Goldblum. And then, you know, it just teaches you appreciate what's in front of you right here. Because for the next five hours of this movie, you may not have much of it. <laughs> um, so they're off to Biosyn. Elsewhere, we already mentioned, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard's been you know, acclimated to the country. She comes out. 
drinking a PBR and just, you know, looking out. <laughs> uh, poachers or hunters or bounty hunters or someone comes and kidnaps uh, the, the girl and the baby raptor. They're going to get it back. They're they're selling it to somebody who's going to be, you know, we don't know who at this point, but someone's going to someone needs them and we know they're important. So Chris Pratt jumps into action. He does. Uh, he he meets up with some of the people who have intel. He knows they're going to, is it, uh, fuck, where do they go? Malta? Yes. Why do they go there? Because Marsai is there. That's why. In the Mediterranean. Yeah. When the guy is like, we have some operatives on the inside, and they show Omar Sai's picture. That's when I did the Leo. I was like, <laughs> there, right there. It's the guy. So, all right. They're off to find the wee ones. As I mentioned, uh, Laura Dern and Sam Neill go meet up with Jeff Goldblum. Uh, there's another guy working there. and We learn that this locust thing is part of a conspiracy that uh, was launched by Biosyn. But the, there's the one guy who wants to reverse it. Who's that? Is that B.D. Wong? Is that that guy's name? Yes, that's the, the scientist uh, that has all the YouTube videos of... Uh Maisie's mom. That's right. And then who, the guy who runs the show there is... Campbell Scott. It's uh, Peter Parker's dad. Why did this guy not get cast to play Steve Jobs? Because that's what he's doing in this movie. (laughs) I, Alex, can turn a corner, real talk. I don't know what Campbell Scott is doing in this movie. I don't know what his stake was in the character, but I love it. He's just kind of like absent-minded. He's not trying to be threatening. But he does a lot of really bad stuff. Is it uh, gum or mints? What is he constantly popping? Or is it like somas? Is he just like there to party? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> he just he, he he keeps trailing off. You know, he'll start saying something, whether it's something friendly or something threatening, and and then he just kind of gets distracted and <laughs> goes somewhere else. Fair enough. I mean, I love it. It's it's good. It's it's kind of like what we needed at this point. We're six movies into this franchise, and uh, you know, you had the kingpin as 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 a bad guy in the first Jurassic World, so you kind of have to vary it a little bit. Uh, I, I kick out. I mean, I, you don't see. I don't see Campbell Scott in a lot of things. Uh, so whenever I see him in a movie, I'm like, it's that guy. And like I said, he is. Uh, he plays Peter Parker's dad in The Amazing Spider-Man Two. So, well, there you go. Much like this movie, his career is all over the place. I laugh and joke, but that movie made $700 million and this made a billion dollars. So fucking jokes on me. (laughs) Uh, So we're in Malta in the Mediterranean Sea. Omar Sy does show up. So we're we're looking good. We're in good shape here. Yeah, this is this is the opposite of what we've been talking about, right? Like so far, we've been every time we meet a, a character that we know, we're like, that makes sense. You can kind of fill in the blanks. Of uh, you know, last time I saw them and where they are now, I'm like yeah, that tracks. Okay, Omar Sy in Jurassic World, he's just Chris Pratt's assistant, and now he is a dark ops operative. <laughs> Dude, so my note here says, what is this? The fucking Matrix? Because like these people that are there to pick up the little girl and the raptor are dressed unlike anyone else in the movie, and then we go to like this black market where they're selling dinosaurs and shit. That is like, to me, you know, an Omar size there kind of like, this is what you have to look out for. You know, mm-hmm. he's there to smarten him up. 
That should have been the whole movie. This black market idea of dinosaurs getting sold. There's the guy who's like cooking them and selling them. And, oh, God, you know, yeah. Well, th- that is the the through line of the movie, or at least one of them, which is... Uh, I mean, we had to get to this point, right? It, I, I guess every Jurassic Park movie has been about humanity kind of sucking and, and <laughs> ruining things. And, and, you know, this is why we can't have nice things. And this just takes it to... Basically, it's a logical conclusion. Uh, if we recreated dinosaurs, <laughs> then we would eventually find a way to exploit those dinosaurs, make those dinosaurs' lives miserable, and and also use these dinosaurs and oh, this yeah. technology to potentially end the world. <laughs> Humans yeah. suck. Yeah, you're right. When you see all these sequences, that's a. Uh, I mean, I I applaud the movie for acknowledging, recognizing that it's uh, a summer blockbuster, so it can't get too deep into these ideas. Because you're right, you could make a movie that's just about the the underworld of this black market and just the really nasty things that people do with dinosaurs. But th- that movie is uh, a little more depressing, <laughs> not quite as as exciting or not quite as as, as family friendly as what we got here. So, I mean, you got to take what you what you're given. And I, I appreciate that there's nuggets of this world spread throughout this movie. And uh, but then in the end, I'm what I'm here for is to see uh, Chris Pratt and Omar Sy team up and just beat up the bad guys. Dude, this is this is the rancor pit escape is what happens. <laughs> like the way it's like shot, the colors of it, like the set they use and everything, and you know the bad guys getting in the way and getting eaten and shit. It's just you know Chris Pratt's Luke Skywalker getting out of the rancor pit and the fucking dinosaurs in the scene do look pretty cool there's one guy that just like scoops a random dude on his ipod off the street and just like, ah, eats him up. <laughs> and this new technology that they have they've trained the raptors to be like my cats they just chase a laser dot like you yeah. you point the laser and yeah. the raptor goes there it's that's pretty endearing it's that's the trick this movie pulls is what we we're talking about earlier right these are monsters they're threatening they're 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 bad news for our characters. So I don't want Chris Pratt to get eaten by this dinosaur chasing him, but I also don't want the dinosaur to get hurt because <laughs> the dinosaur is just, you know, being playful, just running around, acting on instinct. Uh, and again, it wasn't, it didn't ask to be brought here. So I, I appreciate that the movie kind of like divided my loyalties. And, and I was just, you know, if I wanted somebody to get hurt was the, the actual humans that were bad guys. Atrociraptors. Thoroughbreds. Trained to kill. Kill who? Whoever they're told. Laser marks the target, they attach to the scent, don't stop till it's dead. Inescapable. Back at Biosyn, we learned that uh, Macy was not necessarily a clone of Charlotte, as we thought this uh, girl died when she was young. And then her grandfather cloned her to have like his granddaughter back. But what we learn is that Charlotte used her own DNA to self-conceive. And that's what we find out about Blue also has that same ability to become pregnant on their own. And we learned Charlotte had a genetic disorder that she was able to alter the DNA of her baby to ensure that she doesn't have it. That's Macy, of course. So we learned the whole fucking point here is that the DNA of Macy and Beta, the the baby raptor, could change the course of humankind forever. 
So Maisie is not a clone. She is uh, her own mother, in a way. <laughs> She's her mother-daughter. Yeah, man. She, it's uh, Godzilla 97, pretty much. <laughs> um, you know, you want the movie about the black market. I want the movie about just this revolutionary technology where... I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the dinosaurs. I love Chris Pratt. I love Sam Neill, Laura Dern, everybody. But uh, give me the the Jurassic World spinoff that's just about the scientists that are coming up with these breakthroughs uh, where a woman gets herself pregnant with herself. (laughs) (laughs) That's a mind bender. Just just put David Fincher on that thing or David Cronenberg and, and just let's see what happens. So this puts the pieces together. Meanwhile, there's just chaos all around. Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt make it off the island with a, a pilot. This character, was she in the second one, Julio? I don't think so. I think this is the... the <laughs> if, that, that, this is the extent of our introduction to this character. Okay. Well, she... Every movie has to bring something new. You know, you can't just bring new dinosaurs. You have to bring new people. And so this is... Uh, I actually wrote her name. Hang on. DeWanda Wise. Yes. DeWanda Wise. She... You can tell she knew that this this is it. This is a big break. She is the new character in the Jurassic World in the new Jurassic World movie, right? Uh, the first one, uh, Dr- the first Jurassic World had a uh, Jake Johnson there. You know, he was he was the the new uh, what's Newman's name in Jurassic Park? I don't know. He's Newman, man. Yeah, yeah he's, well, he he was the the Newman for the new generation. That was Jake Johnson, and then he was the new man. <laughs> yes. Um. And then the second movie, the second movie had uh, Justice Smith, who's the, you know, the guy that the kid that gets them to contact to Omar Sy in, in this movie, you know, and now and now this movie has this lady and uh, she has to stand shoulder to shoulder with uh, Chris Pratt and Bryce Ellis Howard and later on in the movie with the original cast of Jurassic Park. And she has to hold her own. And I think she does, you know, it, there's all even though we keep talking about the, the two and a half hour runtime, I mean, that is actually almost not enough for so many characters so it's uh you need actors and actresses that rise to the challenge of standing out with very limited screen time and and she does it uh, so they're flying the uh, it doesn't work out the way you know it's kind of like uh, the a team where the the plane's going down so one of them has to get out and uh, bryce dallas howard gets ejected and she kind of flies for a bit and then lands in like this forest where there's i guess like a blind dinosaur I guess just an old guy, you know, <laughs> kind of like, you know, when dogs get older, they get cataracts and stuff. So he still had a good sniffer, though. He sniffed. He was sniffing for some food and he found that deer and he realized, I don't want to eat this. and just kind of <laughs> chucked it to the side. Um, did you did even cross your mind that that this could be it for Chris Pratt and the and the pilot? No, no. <laughs> I had like, they, like for half a second. They get the Captain America scene. <laughs> There's a Marvel reference I can make. Isn't that the end of one of the Captain America movies where he flies into the ice? Yeah, the first one. Okay, yeah. Uh, This is one of my favorite parts of the movie, actually. Uh, And not just because for a brief moment, I I was like, man, is this it? Because I was doing the math in my head, Alex, and I'm like, there's so many characters. We have to start losing people, right? And uh, I mean, it kind of makes sense now that I've seen the whole movie. Yeah, we, you know, Omar Sy shows up, but he doesn't stick around for too long. The... The kind of uh, mercenaries from the black market, you know, they show up there, but they don't stick around for the rest of the movie. Justice Smith is there for like two scenes, he also leaves, you know. But, but I was thinking, if we're gonna, 
keep this manageable, we might lose Pratt and the pilot. And so when he tells Bryce Dallas Howard, hey, you need to do this. You're going to find our daughter. I'll see you later. Like, I thought that maybe that was it. Like, And then, of course, the, the curse of knowing how things work came back to haunt me. I'm like, there's no way to kill Chris Pratt with, like, you know, half a movie left. So... Uh, but for a moment but the, the reason that, I, that this is actually one of my favorite moments is that it shows again how far the Bryce Dallas Howard character has come because if you're going to eject someone into this jungle that's full of dinosaurs you would think that you're going to eject the guy that's trained to kind of control dinosaurs right like the, the dinosaur whisperer that is Chris Pratt but instead, he chooses to stay with the plane because he has so much trust on Bryce Dallas Howard and the woman that she has become, just how capable she is now, now that she's, you know, she lives in the ranch. <laughs> and uh, and she is tasked with with surviving the, the wilderness out there. And I, I thought that was pretty telling. And like, it's not like the, like the movie underscores it or anything. It's just, if you've been paying attention, you just notice that, oh, yeah, that's right. She is, she's a bona fide action hero now. And, and that's cool. So yeah, all these things are coming to a head. We learn, which to me was the biggest twist in the entire movie. Uh, as Sattler and Grant are getting away, they get in, they get a sample of this locust that needs to be you know figured out because they, they're trying to blow the lid off this conspiracy. That's the whole reason Jeff Goldblum brought them in. Uh, they're cut off by Ramsey Cole, uh, the actor... Mamodu Athi, I apologize, sir, if I'm mispronouncing your name, but Ramsey Cole's the character. And when he he's the guy that brings them on to the island, like shows them where to go and shit. So I just immediately assumed he was going to turn out to be a bad guy. And here we learn that he's not a bad guy. He wants to help them out. That was a big twist for me because you get used to all these really, you know, tried and played out tropes in action movies. So I was like, hell yeah, he's, he's a good guy. Get one more for the good guys. So he helps them escape. But again, Steve Jobs is the bad guy. So he tries to cut them off when he can. And by um, now they have uh, reunited with uh, with Maisie. They've uh, they've crossed paths. Correct. It's you. You slowly start seeing how everything is gonna, how the puzzle comes together, right? Because the, the entire thing is you're waiting for the new generation and the past generation to come together and face the dinosaurs and Peter Parker's dad, and and so we're. I don't know, 90 minutes into the movie, and that hasn't happened yet. But but now at least you have Alan Grant and Ellie Sadler uh, hanging out with uh, with the clone daughter of uh, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. So, you know, it's inevitable. It's coming. Yes. And they're protecting her. They, yeah, she said, they know the score. They know what's going on. This begins Lewis Dodgson pretty much just, fuck it. I'm not even going to pretend to be a good guy anymore. <laughs> brings He brings in Jeff Goldblum and fires him. Jeff Goldblum gets his Jerry Maguire scene yes. where he's like, well, before I go, I have some things I want to say. <laughs> he does his uh, CM Punk pipe bomb promo here where he tells people he's like, he's so busy promoting you that you never you know, have the time to grasp critical thought. Or he, he, he basically is like telling these people how stupid they are, but it's making it sound nice. It's classic Goldblum. <laughs> yeah. He's making it sound like like it's uh it's their privilege to hear him tell them how much they suck. Exactly. So everyone's on the run. Chris Pratt and um DeWanda Wise are running away from dinosaurs. Bryce Dallas Howard's running away from dinosaurs. Uh this is where Campbell Scott realizes, you know, his goose is cooked, and so 
he's going to destroy the evidence and he sets fire to the lab with all the locusts in it and they escape and you know they're fl- trying to fly and put themselves out and they start dropping all around and setting this forest around on fire they're landing on dinosaurs and shit uh, just in case you're not sure what's happening laura dern says he's burning the evidence <laughs> and <laughs> well she's you know her character is from three decades ago when movies needed to spell things out a little more <laughs> thank you and in all this commotion, all these parties finally come together because the the caravan that's being driven by Dr. Alan Grant that has Sattler, Grant, Macy, and Jeff Goldblum in it flips and they're rescued by Owen and I think Claire's there at this point and DeWanda Wise and, and oh, yep. they're all <laughs> all together. I think the does the John Williams score kicks in at this point? I think so. The classic. You know, it's, they're two steps away from saying, come with me if you want to live. <laughs> a gigantosaur, gigantosaur, some genetically engineered dinosaur shows up and they run into what appears to be like this really lofty 70s high rise apartment <laughs> and hide out there for a little while. And they chase off this big guy. And at this point, I realize there's still 40 minutes left in this movie. <laughs> well, you just got them together. I mean, how cheated would you have felt if they came together and then that was it, like end credits? You need to give that that, that group, you know, some time to breathe. Don't, Don't move. So this is followed up by the chainsaw moment of all chainsaw moments where we see inside Dr. Lewis Dodgson's office and he has the can of shaving cream from the first Jurassic Park. Did you uh, did you elbow your sister? <laughs> I I did just like say it's the chainsaw. Like just <laughs> quietly as I was watching this movie. There's a there's a few a few well I wouldn't say callbacks, but more like uh what do you call this? I mean, I hate that fan service has become this nods. This, yeah, nod, you know, like a but not even sometimes it's not even nods, but just Little bits of interaction that have nothing to do with the plot, but it's exactly what I wanted from this movie, right? Like, uh, I think it's Owen, like Chris Pratt tells Alan Grant, Sam Neill, is like, hey, I read your book, right? And then Alan Grant's like, oh, I've heard of you. You you worked at Dress, you're the, the raptor wrangler. And then later, Jeff Goldblum is like, so how's that work? You, you just talk to the raptors? And, you know, these little interactions, it was like, Yes, that's why you bring these characters together, so that they can talk about the the silliness of their lives and the, the silliness of their franchises. I, I just I just needed, you know, I, I wish that this could have gone on for longer. Give me 30 extra minutes where they're just talking about like how crazy it was that uh how crazy it is that they keep trying to open these <laughs> these amusement parks with dinosaurs and and hey, remember Newman and remember uh David uh Attenborough, I think that's the name of the <laughs> the guy that runs the first uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, I don't know. You know that's that's the the beauty of it. You just you just brought all these actors together, these characters together. They can just kind of like hang out and talk about things. Uh, I think that Ellie Ellie gets to uh, do a little bit of therapy with uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. She tells her, "Hey, you got to move on. You got to forgive yourself." Because what does she say? It's like if we if we live in the past, we we don't move forward or something yeah. like that. And you're like, what yeah. is she talking about? Because you didn't know that Bryce Dallas Howard was responsible for letting the dinosaurs roam the earth. Ah, that's where her guilt comes from, I see. Yeah. But anyway, did you, I know we're just talking about Chris Pratt not not dying in that plane crash, but now that we were getting closer to, to the end, the climax, did you think that they were all going to make it? Yes. 
at this point, yes. Really? I, I, I honestly thought that uh, Goldblum was going to die because, you know, he was kind of the... He was being portrayed as the most shallow of them, as, as you know, as he was from the beginning of the of the franchise. And and I thought that maybe, you know, there's a, that moment where he grabs the flare and he's trying to get the, the dinosaur's attention. And he did something mm-hmm. like that in the first movie, and that's how he got hurt. So I thought that maybe they were doing that callback because this time he wasn't going to be so lucky. He's older now and he wasn't going to survive that type of stunt. So I was kind of relieved that I didn't have to suffer through a Jeff Goldblum death in this one. <laughs> well, like I said, there's 40 minutes left in the movie, so anything could have happened. But I just kind of based on the tone of everything, I was not expecting it. But uh, Ramsey Cole gets his, you know, his hero origin story when Dodgson is like, you know, just you and me now, man. We're we're gonna rebuild and restart from here, and he's just like, not me, and you know, walks away while Rome is burning, so to speak. <laughs> he throws his uh his employee badge on the desk. <laughs> I'm out. Campbell Scott tries to take off on the the people mover, the Epcot monorail, and he thinks he's home free, you know, and then he is accosted by three raptors and. My note just says Raptor Gangbang because they all surround him and then it cuts to black and you know nothing good happened after that. Uh, do you remember his final line, Campbell Scott's? Does he say like, what's your deal or something? Yep. Amazing. Okay. Just a, a perplexing to the end. I'm sure he just, he had lip that and Trevor was just like, fuck it, sure, why not? It's of a piece with the rest of the performance. So everyone else, the good guys are all working on escaping and they get outside of the premises and they find a chopper they're heading towards and they are cut off by the gigantosaur t-rex or whatever just multiple gigantic dinosaurs one of which walks past for some reason this big circular fountain and does so uh parallel to it and the light hits it at just the right angle as he's walking through that it recreates the logo of the franchise and my (laughs) god what brilliant filmmaking here hey it's like in uh batman 89 when uh when Michael Keaton flies the the bat wing into the moon or in front of the moon. Yeah. <laughs> we eventually make it. We know we're going to. There's some crazy like Wolverinosaurus though that they made that has like these <laughs> giant claws that kill the bad guy and the the bad dinosaur or whatever. No, 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 no. The the Wolverinosaurus is the bad guy. Oh, oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. tell. No, the it's T-Rex so dark. is the, the, another through line of the entire franchise is that the T-Rex always comes comes back to save the day. Okay. And and here I thought that the the T-Rex had finally met its demise, but then apparently it was just taking a nap because he's he's knocked out but then he wakes up and and it's him and and some other dinosaur. It's like I I figure you would appreciate this even more than I did because it was kind of like a wrestling match where they they tagged the T-Rex out, some other dinosaur came in, and then the T-Rex ate the ref and then jumped back into the ring. But it's it's pretty impressive. It's like what you want from your climatic scene in a Jurassic Park movie. You know, dinosaurs fighting while the humans just stare and <laughs> hope that they don't die. They escaped, though. A lot of kisses, a lot of uh, longing hugs. You know, Laura Dern and Sam Neill get their moment in the sun. It's pretty fantastic. And uh, I think, um, what's her name? Macy. Isabel Sermon realizes, you know, it may not be her biological parents, but she knows who her mom and dad are. They Along the way, they picked up B.D. Wong. I, I just That's remember right. that. That's right, yeah. Because <laughs> he, he thinks he can, like, reverse what's happening and, you know, help for a, a, a brighter tomorrow. And uh, when they get back to, you know, their land, Owen and 
Claire, that is. They take Beta and give it back to Blue. And there's a really sweet moment of Blue and Beta embracing, and they run off together, but not before Blue comes back and looks at Chris Pratt, and they have this moment of... It's like the can of vegetables and Christopher Maloney at the end of <laughs> Wet Hot American Summer. They, you know, one says thank you and Mao's thank you, and they nod back at each other. And it's uh, it's a brighter tomorrow. And we learn that you know all of our characters we see that they're adapting, and we're going to adapt. We're going to learn how to live with dinosaurs in the world and just figure out and make a go of it. There's no going back. There is no going back. On the dinosaurs or this movie or this <laughs> franchise and you know pretty cool ending but uh, it was it was satisfying in a way because i was afraid that this was going to be about the old guard passing the torch to the new guard and i was like i don't need that you know i i, I and we've talked about this before in other episodes where i'm like i have trouble with those movies where they try to do the this is the successor, you know, the, this ends, the journey ends for this character and he passes the torch to the next one. This was no, there was no torch passing. It was here. It was all torch sharing. They, everybody was sharing the torch and I didn't feel like, oh, that was the end of uh, Alan Grant, the end of Ellie Sadler or Ian Malcolm. No, they're still there. They can show up again in the franchise if they want to. And if they don't, that's okay. You know, they got their happy ending. It was good. I, I, I was satisfied. I don't know why people talk about it like it's the last in the franchise, because obviously <laughs> they've set up a, a whole new world that can be explored for years and years to come. So here's to the next uh, Jurassic World. Maybe the next one will be Jurassic Universe. And it's uh, <laughs> it's Chris Pratt just in a spaceship with a raccoon. Actually, that's Guardians of the Galaxy, Alex. It's already <laughs> happened. <laughs> Yeah, it, you joke, but Chris Pratt signed on to like the most lucrative franchises in modern Hollywood, with the exception of Star Wars. So I think he's doing all right. You think that he was comparing notes with uh, Laura Dern? It's like, how much do you make? <laughs> yeah, so that movie replays on premium cable. <laughs> how much money you get? <laughs> so brings an end to Contrarian's Corner of Jurassic World Dominion. Just a shade under three hours less than the actual movie. <laughs> well, let's do it, Alex. Let's go to real talk. Let's have a heart to heart about this movie. For whatever reason, let's go back to the island again. Yes. Biggest carnivore the world has ever seen. 